That gospel passage picks up right where we left off last Sunday in the fourth chapter of Mark. It's verses 35 to 41, the last section of that chapter. Please open it up via our social media or your Bible. The citation is in the bulletin when you go home. And please reflect on this passage this week. This is about an unusually important experience Jesus' first disciples have, very important when it takes place, but even more important as they move into the rest of their lives. It's also meant to be an important point of reflection for all of us, any generation of people who are trying to grow as disciples of Jesus. Please remember when you review this passage this week that at this stage, Jesus' first disciples are early in their experience of him. They have been called by Jesus to become his followers. They've made the big decision to actually follow him. They've heard him preach about the kingdom of God. They've witnessed his performing miracles, healing people spiritually and physically. And they've heard certain religious leaders debate about Jesus. But still, it's quite early in their experience. So these disciples have a lot more to learn. They have a lot more to listen. They have a lot more to try to understand. They have a lot more to experiment with in terms of being followers of Jesus. They have a lot of failure ahead of them. At this point, they really don't know that much about Jesus, and they certainly have no clue that Jesus is really the eternal Son of God who's become a human being. In the passage we just heard, Jesus has just been preaching at the Sea of Galilee, and he tells these closest disciples to get into a boat with him and cross from the Jewish east side of the Sea of Galilee to go over to the Gentile west side of the Sea of Galilee. Evening is drawing on when things get spookier and bigger often. They get into the boat and there are other boats with them, and as they're going out into the water, as they're out in the water, what happens commonly at the Sea of Galilee, still today, a violent squall comes up. The Greek word for what's translated violent squall in our English is a tornado-like whirlwind comes down. If you've ever been in anything like this, automatically produces fear. The waves come up and they're going on to the boat. And again, in the Greek, it says that the waves are hurled on the boat, and the boat begins to fill with water. The disciples are understandably terrified because they believe that they're about to die. They are perishing. Jesus, in the midst of all of this, is in the stern of the boat, asleep on a cushion. The disciples go and they say to Jesus, teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? So you and I can only speculate what, if anything, is going on inside their minds. The more I think about this passage, I don't think much is probably going on inside their minds. Do they think that Jesus is going to somehow calm the storm? Absolutely not. This is an important part of this. These people with a Jewish background would understand what we were sort of banged over the head with in this liturgy, if you're paying attention. The first reading from Job 38, the Psalm from 107, Psalm 107. In the Old Testament, the only one who has any power over the wind and the sea is God. Only God has that power. There is no human being who can stop the wind or stop the sea. Even Moses and the Exodus with the famous parting of the Red Sea, it's not Moses who has that power. He doesn't walk over to the Red Sea and say, 
part or God make it part. God tells him to go over and be the instrument of God's parting the Red Sea. So there's no way that they think Jesus is going to perform the miracle that he ultimately does. Do they think that Jesus will pray for them? I don't know. It may just be what they say. Teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? What is clear in here is what Jesus does. Jesus wakes up and he says to the wind, he rebukes the wind, like he rebukes an evil spirit. And he says to the sea, quiet, be still. The wind stops, the sea stops, and there is a great calm. Jesus then asks the two critical questions for them and for you and me. Why are you terrified? Do you not yet have faith? Why are you terrified? The word there, terrified, in Greek is more than fear. Anybody who doesn't react with fear to an experience like that is drinking too much. You naturally react with fear. We're built that way to react with fear to grave danger. The word in Greek for, that, for terrified is timidity, not having courage. Why don't you have courage? The answer to that question is because we think we're about to die and there is no one, nothing that can save us from this. That's the direct answer to the question. But that question will remain for them in that form or a modified form as they move into the rest of their lives and they experience much bigger storms of all different types in their lives. Do you not yet have faith in Mark the word faith is not just a positive response to the teaching of Jesus or to God. Faith for this gospel writer always involves trust in God and Jesus and strong action. Do you not yet have faith at this moment? No, they do not trust in God. How, what did even know what to trust in? And they certainly do not take bold action. Direct answer to that question, but to repeat, the question remains and hopefully will be modified as they move into the rest of their lives and they experience much bigger storms than this physical storm. So back to the passage. The disciples, it says, experience a great awe. And that word in the scripture, that awe, is the experience of a person or people who have really experienced the manifestation of God. They are in awe because they've experienced the power of God. And then the disciples ask the exactly perfect question about Jesus. Who is this then that wind and sea obey? They're absolutely onto this. I thought only God could have power over the wind and the sea. So who is Jesus that the wind and the sea obey him? That's exactly the right question. These disciples over time come to understand and obviously fully come to understand after Jesus' death and resurrection that he is God. He's the eternal son of God who has become a human being. Jesus is the one who has the infinite power of salvation for every human suffering and every human need. Jesus possesses the full power of God that overcomes anything that threatens our existence 
ultimately, eternally, they come to understand that Jesus is God, and they come to understand that not just in their heads, but the way they live their lives. They make the choice to follow his teaching, to live his love, to imitate him. And so over time, he really grows in them, and his power of salvation grows in them. Many of the people in that boat ultimately end up being killed because they go out as the witnesses of Jesus in the world. There's an awful lot of fear in being martyred, but they ultimately grow as people who are not terrified. They ultimately grow as people of very strong faith. As they move into the rest of their lives more and more because they choose to live as his disciples, they know that Jesus is with them. After he ascends to heaven, through the power of the Holy Spirit, totally with them. And when they go through future storms in life, the question, why are you terrified, I believe becomes, are you terrified? And the answer is no. I might have a lot of fear going on, but am I timid? No. Am I courageous? Yes. As they go into future storms in the rest of their lives, do you not yet have faith? The answer is yes, they do. They become people who take bold action and do trust in God. That's what every single one of us is invited to experience, growing in this power of salvation from everything that threatens our existence now and eternally. So I invite you to take that wherever you go in your reflection this week. Don't be intimidated by that. You can be intimidated by that passage and think, oh, I don't think my faith is that strong. I am kind of terrified. If that's the case, it's great news. Look at those disciples and what you know about how they grow. But I think an awful lot of you, if you reflect on that, will have a lot for which to be thankful about your continuing growth as disciples of Jesus. Two final thoughts as your pastor. Number one, during COVID, I witnessed week by week, by month by month, how many people in this community of very different ages and backgrounds through the worst storms of COVID and the worst fears that many of us experienced, including I'm afraid that my relative is going to die and he or she does. I experienced through the worst of this, how many people here were not terrified. They were not timid. They had courage. I experienced how many people in our community really have faith. They trusted in God and they took bold action, which included getting out of bed and living another day, trying to live God's love. I believe that many of you, obviously not all of us, but many of you during the worst storms of COVID experienced perhaps the strongest faith that you've ever lived. So when you reflect on this this week, please don't take that for granted. Second and finally, those in our generation, in any generation, to be baptized, to be associated with Jesus, to be inspired by Jesus, is never going to lead to not being terrified or being a person of strong faith. The only way that you get to those realities is by actively living a fully Catholic life. The choice that you made today to come to this Eucharist is the single most important choice you have made or will make this week. Remember this, uh, many of you know this, this church is built, in the sh which is traditional, in the shape of a boat. And if you go up above this ceiling, it looks 
only like an upside-down boat. It looks just perfectly like an upside-down boat. The way that you most get into the boat with Jesus is by entering into this Eucharist. The way you can be most sure he, his word is being spoken to you is in this boat at Mass. The only way that he fully gives himself to us on this planet is through this Eucharist. The way that you know, not just in your head, that you are with other disciples in the boat through whatever storms come is by being part of this Eucharist. You have made the single most important choice you could make, and so you couldn't be terrified and be here, and you couldn't be of little faith and be here. So I think blessed are you.